speaking with uh, Emmy winner Jeff Zanelli, who is not only one of my personal favorite composers, but was actually the first composer interview I ever did back when I launched this site as a blog. Uh, that was two and a half years ago, but it's great to, uh-huh. to do it again. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Thanks for having me back. Um, so you've been busy since last time we spoke. Um, Just a bit. <laughs> movies like <laughs> You May Not Kiss the Bride, Beneath the Darkness, and this year you have uh, Should Have Been Romeo, and of course The Odd Life of Timothy Green, um, right. which uh, I was at the SEL screening with you, and it was a very very great moving film i mean any of your scored beautiful everything all around just very well done so what about the story appealed to you as a composer and what did you try to achieve musically with timothy green well let's see i when i first read the script i i kind of latched on to um the way it kind of handles parenting and the you know how it talks about the themes of being a parent and because I had just, uh, I'd actually just had a child about a year and a half before I read the script. So, mm. you know, I, I like to say it sort of felt like the stars aligned and kind of gave me this gift of the chance to get to work on a movie like this. It was so in line with where I was, um, you know, in my life. So that, so that was the first, you know, it was kind of instant. And then once I met uh, Peter Hedges, the director, I just felt like, an, like a real kinship. You know, he and I are cut from the same cloth. We both stay up late at night obsessing about our movie. And mm-hmm. and um, so it made for a really good collaboration. So, But uh, musically, I was trying to get um, into the the idea that these are, you know, regular folk. And it's a regular, you know, like a really pretty common problem. They they can't conceive a child. and uh, But they sort of wish one into existence. So... So I approached it from that angle, and I thought, well, that means we get to use the sort of folky instrumentation if we want to, and and um, it opens up kind of instrumental colors that I can bring into the score uh, that are built into the story. Mm-hmm. And uh, after seeing the film and seeing uh, Sean Toll's amazing pho- uh, yeah. photography, uh, did does did the image of the film? play any part on how you how you wrote it i mean it's it just reminded me because i'm from the east coast so i it reminded uh-huh. me it reminded me of the fall and i was like man i really wish i really miss fall you know so <laughs> sure uh, yeah it, it had a huge impact actually and it, it's funny you bring that up when i first read the script i wrote a piece of music this is sort of how i got the job i wrote a piece of music and we you know managed to convince disney's music department to send it to peter hedges and that generated a meeting Mm-hmm. But that piece of music was written just to the script. So when I sat down with Peter, he goes, let me show you the movie, and I'll, I'm going to play it to you dry. There'll be no temp music or anything. But I think you'll see, you know, you have a great melody, but you need to think a little bit about what what, the, what it actually means to this movie. So he played me the movie, and, you know, like a minute into it, I went, okay, so now I've, I've got a good tune. I know that. Mm-hmm. But my arrangement was... Um, sort of bigger than it needed to be and maybe a little more orchestral or a little more conventional for lack of a better word and as as soon as I got to the end of you know the first scene I went hang on we've got so much more to work with here that's what I mean about the folky instruments and so I started grabbing the dulcimers and guitars and ukuleles and mandolins and you know just sort of more um, instruments you don't hear quite as often in film music of course they get used but you know I I got to kind of spread out a little bit and that really is because of john toll's photography and just the look of the film right 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 and uh so now the the topic of the i mean the the subject matter of the film as you mentioned it it follows an infertile couple who can't 
you know they can't conceive a child and they wish they wish their dream child i mean that that has a there's a lot of the film deals with a lot of serious life issues and yeah but it also has to be heartwarming and open and i feel like and then you have the magical kind of element to it all how did you find the the right tone because that kind of seems like a a nightmare you know trying to, to trying to <laughs> nail down the right tone you know it is though i don't know about nightmare but it is a, it's definitely a, a delicate and and subtle thing you have to work work on and the goal was always to be you know to, to use as light a touch as as possible because you, you are you know in territory where people you know it's, it's a real struggle and for people that are going through it it's profoundly depressing and hard and you know all those things and, and the goal for the movie was to be uplifting and to kind of give hope and and um and inspire people really so so the so most of the time when we were dealing with them um, the heavy subject matter i was trying to be as light as possible while still supporting it because mm-hmm. you know you you get the heaviness in the performances you know of the cast they're just sort of top to bottom perfect they're they're really great so they didn't really need me to come in with some big you know music with a whole bunch of gravitas they needed me to come in with music that just sort of cradled them their performance a little bit um but it was definitely something that we would, you know, work on and then readdress and then reassess, you know, all mm-hmm. the time we were looking at things. And there were a lot of times where I'd write a scene and that scene would feel great. But then when you ro- watch it in a run, you know, the first 40 minutes of the movie, for instance, you start to realize, well, now it feels a little weighty here and maybe we don't need music there. And so there was a real constant process of, um, of reevaluating you know, not only what the music was, but how much we needed it at all, how loud it should be against the dialogue. You know, there there was a lot that went into getting that to um, to kind of balance properly. Right, right. And uh, and there there were a few moments in the film where score was uh, noticeably absent, and it was to a like a really great dramatic effect. How how important Good. is it? How important is it for a composer to know where and when to back off and kind of not interfere at all? And did you kind of how do you come to terms with that in a spotting session? Um, you know what? I, uh, somehow you, you broke up at the very tail end of what you just said. Um, oh, I missed, I uh, missed the question. I'll, I'll repeat. Sorry. Um, uh, so there were, there were a few moments in the film where score was uh, noticeably absent and it was, you know, to a great dramatic effect. Uh, how important is it for a composer to know uh, where to back off and not interfere? And do you decide kind of when to do that during the spotting session? Ah, um, well, we we decided when to do it in the spotting session, yes, but uh, we always stayed open to the possibility that we'd learn something down the road that might, you know, make us rejig something. So, mm-hmm. in other words, we, we did indeed do a formal spotting session, but I think if we were to go back and look at the original notes, there's at least one more cue in the early reels that's no longer in the picture and one cue in the early reels that was never in the spotting. So, you know, these were things that evolved over time. Um, I think it's crucial, though, to speak to your first question, how important is it uh, to know when to play music and when not to. I think it's crucial. I think, that, you know, the, the most important thing, really, that a film composer is doing is the, the grand architecture of his score. And that means when should there even be music to begin with. Um, and it's also something that, you know, you can't decide on day one having not written a note yet. You have to do, just let it kind of evolve. Mm-hmm. And you also you also mentioned that you have a you know you have a family now you're a father and uh, so would you have been able to write the score you know 
couple oh, years. Oh, before, before, before? You know what? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think I could have. I think I would have thought I could have, but I don't think I could have. And, and it's, um, it, you know, it was actually really eye-opening for me in that sense because, you know, I, I just somehow was able to approach this movie from, uh, from, the, from the point of view of Timothy or really the point of view of Timothy's parents, you know, like I know what it feels like now to watch my child do something for the first time. And you can't put that into words and you can't describe it to someone who it hasn't happened to yet. Right. So, you know, that's the thing. My work has always been strongest when there's something I can pull in from my personal life to kind of make myself relate to the film. Now, obviously, I've never been a pirate, so it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't come into play with pirates. But other things do, though. You know, you, you can get into, like, uh, a behavior that a character has in pirates or, or an event or something like that. Right. So, you know, you just have to find your way into the movie. But in this case, it was, it was just so easy. It's about, you know, it's about what I'm doing right now every, mm-hmm. every single day. So that was uh, it's great, actually. And I think one of the most uh, emotionally anchoring parts of the score is your your central theme that we kind of hear over the the opening credits. Mm-hmm. And it's such a beautiful melody. And you were talking a bit at the SEL screening about how, as a composer, you don't get a chance that often to write big melodies. Why do you think that is? And why do you think it's such a like a luxury when you get to do such a thing? You know, I, I think it's really just a kind of a, a statement about what film music has become. Mm-hmm. And not you know, and these are things that that change over time too. It's a very cyclical thing. Um, I think right now you're seeing a lot less emphasis placed on uh, big melodies. As far as why, I really couldn't tell you. I, I don't necessarily know why. I do think you know I've done movies where I didn't feel I needed to have the great big melody. So it has probably more to do with the movie itself or the director of the movie, how it's made, or just like the design of the movie. In this case, though, you know, it, it just ate it up. It soaked up any melody you threw at it, and you, you almost get um, sort of gluttonous about being able to be melodic in the film if you're, if you're the composer on something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, for me, it was really important, because we, we get to go and ha- have an actual resonant musical quality for a lot of different characters. There's actually quite a few sub themes as well that kind of recur in a few different uh, fashions. And, and it was uh, very sort of classic in that sense in that you've got a theme and you've got variations of it that kind of evolve with the characters of the story. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, uh, uh, you know, working with Peter Hedges as well, who's a fantastic yeah. writer who wrote, and, who wrote and directed this film. Is, uh, is there a difference... Yeah working with a director who is also the writer versus a director who didn't write the script? Did you find him to be more uh, attached to the material than than a director who was just handling someone else's script? Oh, well, you know, I do, I do think... I think there's a difference in uh, directors who are also writers in that, you know, the writing process of, of the written word writing process I think is similar somehow to the writing process of music. Mm-hmm. So... so I do find when a director is also a writer, we develop a shorthand much faster. You know, they they understand the same, you know, it's it's very similar problems. They're looking at the architecture and things like that uh, of their whole film. And so you can kind of engage with them, um, I guess, just with, with a vocabulary that's similar to your own. Right, right. Uh, you know, if, I hope that makes sense. Um, it doesn't mean that, 
you know, like I've worked with guys like Gore Verbinski who direct other people's material and they are just as in tune with their film and everything. I just, I do find that, um, there's a, there's a difference. Um, I think it's just in the mindset or just the, the process they go through. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, last time we spoke, I wrapped up the, the interview by asking you if you could score any film ever made with no, dis- no disrespect to the original composer, what film would you choose? And you said, uh, Willy Wonka. And yeah. <laughs> really good, I, was, I was about to say it again. <laughs> really great choice. Uh, but I guess now I, I'll ask you, what's your, what's your favorite, you know, you've been working in, in film music for such a long time now, what's your favorite genre that you've found that you've really attached to? Uh, interesting. Uh, well, this is, this has been such a good experience for me that Timothy Green. And uh, so I kind of have to say my favorite genre right now is, fantasy dramas about boys with leaves on their leg. You know, I don't know what genre the movie to call this movie besides um, it's, it's a good movie. Uh, but so, but I have to say once, once I tried that hat on, it felt very comfortable. And, uh, you know, I think you can look at my old credits and you can go, there's no precedent for me to do a movie like this. Like it's really unlikely that Peter Hedges called Disney and said, I, I want the guy who did Disturbia to score my film, you know, right. so I had to go in and like, I had to write a lot of music and sit down with him and, you know, kind of get him excited about what I had to offer. And, um, and it worked out, you know, well, obviously it worked out that I got the job, but, but it's sort of a, um, like an old school way of getting the job. You write some music and he, the director likes it. And then you go from there. Right. Is actually not really the, the way it normally goes because, you know, it, it takes a certain amount of convincing, I think. Uh, it, when you've when you've written a beautiful movie like this, he's kind of got his pick of the litter, so to speak. I know he had uh, a lot of interest from composers. So, um, anyway, I'm rambling a little bit, but I have to say, once I got the chance to try on a movie like this and something I've never done, uh, it just felt so right for me, especially right now in my life. Mm-hmm. It is definitely, I think, your most personal score and it, it really comes sure. through in the music it's it's a it's a very beautiful uh piece thank of work you. jeff um but thank you so much for your time it was a great pleasure to chat to you again of course it's good to hear your voice and uh...